welcome to The Pseudo Show, episode 31. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, and I'm joined in this episode by my brother, Justin. This is going to be the final episode of The Pseudo Show for the foreseeable future. I've decided to step away from podcasting to pursue some new things. Check out Flipping Tables or Bits and Pieces if you'd like to hear more about that. For this episode of The Pseudo Show, me and my brother Justin came together to discuss what it means to live a creative life while also dealing with grief and depression in the aftermath of our father's death. Stick around for the second half, too, where we discuss our favorite films, TV shows, and games of 2016. Without further ado, here is our brotherly conversation. We hope you like it. What are we doing here today? Well, uh, me and Justin uh, haven't done a podcast in about a year. Um, Is that the last one? Yeah. Okay, and and uh, we had, you know, since uh, our dad died in fall of 2015, which feels way too casual to just say now. Um, yeah. We we had um, a lot of journey just went behind being able to even say that sentence. Yeah, like it's um, been hell of a year. We've had the, a whole idea to do an episode of the pseudo show that we never got around to. Um, I mean, we always love talking about movies and games. We're going to do some of that later in the episode. Our favorite movies of the year, worst movies, or, or whatever stuff like that. Um, but we wanted to talk about creativity. And that's sort of been the secret topic of every episode of the Pseudo Show while we talk to other people. But how do we view creativity, um, especially uh, in the past year, which has been made pro yeah, the worst year of my life, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, not an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> shared, um, shared. Even not even like. If our dad hadn't passed, I think it would still be the worst year of <laughs> yeah. collective lives. It's just something piled on this year. Yeah. Um, and I think so many people are feeling that um, all across the world in Spectrum. Um, so let's just get into it. What? How does creativity work for you in general or, or and also just in context of being grief-stricken and depressed uh, and, and all this yeah um well i like to, to jump down uh, you have this quote here from john cleese and we have a link in the show notes which is uh, i don't know what episode number so i can't give you the url uh, well, i'll figure that out while you <laughs> live google it. um something on sunrise robot so um john cleese has this interview on creativity uh just really great he just kind of like you know gives a little sermon about it and uh, <laughs> I love his quote, best tip I can give you is what kind of childhood you should have had, which is useless to you now. <laughs> um, it kind of goes along with one of my other favorite quotes. My friend Leslie Ridings always says, my biggest mistake is I wasn't born to rich parents. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just little you can do with that information now. But um, yeah. I don't know. There, there's something about the... in in getting to know more and more creative people, especially since moving to Los Angeles. Um, there is just a certain interesting, like part of that upraising that, that definitely does play a part in it. Um, and I think we found that many times throughout our episodes here on the pseudo show with our interviews. It's just like, we always just like to know how are you kind of brought up to suddenly get into, um, creative fields as an adult. And, 
Yeah, I think there's just something about that nurtured home life, and we we certainly had it. Um, our parents are creative people, writers and quilt makers, and um, you know, all across the board, we were we were encouraged to be creative, mm-hmm. and um, we weren't we were never told like, oh, why are you wasting your time, you know, making those little movies or, or anything. Um, so I think that was definitely just the fact that there was always an open door to pursue it, um, kept it a part of our lives. And yeah. the other, then it, to me, it goes hand in hand with just kind of being born at the right time for the technology too. Like at, there was a certain point where suddenly we had access to video cameras and editors and computers were able to let us do this stuff at home. Um, and so it's just a big, big impact to be born you know, in the 80s and, and mm-hmm. to be able to be a part of the technology boom as well. Yeah, I think the this Cleese video is worth watching if you're interested on for so many reasons. But um, one of the things he starts off with is it's pretty much impossible to explain what creativity is. And he, he almost has to shade the negative space around it to try to get a picture of it. Um, he, he talks about a you know, famous psychologist and other scientists have basically like, they haven't gotten very far on like exactly explaining what it is we mean by creativity. Um, you know, there's, there's whole fields about what play is and we'll get into, I think play is like intimately related to creativity, even though it's not exactly the same thing. Um, but you know, some of the negative space Cleese gets into is, you know, other than have the right childhood <laughs> is, uh, um, it's even though you don't get to choose your ta- your, your childhood, um, there's this perception that, cre- creativity is simply a talent it's just like oh you're a creative person you just inherently Mm -hmm. um and even though you don't get to choose your childhood um he thinks of it more as a way of operating it's a way of living not a you know inherent genetic skill um not an ability you have or don't have and it's uh, i think notably it's unrelated to iq you don't have to be smart to be creative and I, I think if you know enough creative people, you know some of them are smart and some of them actually aren't very smart, but they're still <laughs> still really creative. Um, yeah. And he kind of just does a deep dive into what does play and being childlike have to do with creativity. And I think some of my favorite stuff there is that to be creative means you, you spend some time doing things that aren't immediately practical. And that's where creativity gets snuffed so quickly first uh, mm. in so many lives is it's so easy to go, this doesn't pay the bills right now, this isn't whatever, like this doesn't put food on the table. Or even when you, you have money and you have food and you're not worrying about those things, anything can fill that space and say, do you really need to do that right now? And if you grew up in a way that reinforces that only do practical things, that doesn't make any sense then you just have no oxygen to grow your creativity. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I think there's there's some kind of default mode you go into, you know, like even just even today. Like I, I got up, it was Sunday. Technically I have a, a free day, I could do whatever I want. And there's always the choice to make. Where like I could do something today to further my creative endeavors. Or I could sit around on my ass and watch T V and, you know, <laughs> go Christmas shopping and just like Again, it's just kind of that 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 balance and the, the challenge of it. Um, not even in light of you know, kind of the spin we want to add to it today is is in out of depression and grief. Like, how do you still try to stay motivated? 
Um, so it's hard enough to be creative as just a happy, free person who's <laughs> able to be creative. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if we want to, uh, you know, talk about where, where we're at, you know, right now in our creative endeavors. I don't know if you want to say what you're up to or yeah well about (laughs) um the middle of 2015 i took a new job as a motion designer and i had zero resume before then um i we you know just you know me but we've we've dabbled in creative arts and like visual stuff has never been like a formal education of mine you've gone to film school and and done some stuff but um it's always been like, yeah, I photoshopped some stuff. Yeah, I, I made my own album cover or whatever and like dabble for years and years. And finally, I just decided to kill this myth of like, I'm just not a visual arts person. I'm like a music guy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was like easy to hide behind. Like, I just wasn't born with the stuff to do visual work. And I, I found that I liked it enough that I wanted to stop believing that lie and just be like, hey, I can make my career uh, be about this and I'll get through all the pain and suffering of changing careers because I think I'm going to be more fulfilled if I can scratch those itches. And it's been sort of successful. I mean, I, <laughs> I got that job, which was really, really nice. And partly I think because my network people knew me, so they knew I'd be good for, you know, even if I'm not already an amazing visual artist that I would do my job and I would get it done pretty well. Um, but that's, uh, it's, it's been rough. Cause like, it's like you, you make the quick transition, you make all the early, like big wins when you're doing something new, like, haha, yeah, you can go up a lot of levels <laughs> right away. Like, wait, okay, it's like, it. uh, <laughs> Cecil in final fantasy four, right after he becomes a paladin, <laughs> the first battle you fight, he goes up like 10 levels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, it's like that because when you go from knowing nothing to knowing a few things, it feels like the big bang happened. Um, (laughs) and then you settle in and you get, you immediately want to rest on your laurels because I I think we'll get into like some of the creative demons we've got listed here. And I think, uh, the one that hits me most is, uh, your brain doesn't want to learn new things. And I think by new things, it's more like new habits it doesn't want to change its patterns, um, even though it does all the time based on your life and what you do. And so, you know, after I got good enough at animation to do some basic stuff that looks okay, your brain's like, we're good. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you just coast? Well, yeah, stop progressing. At the same time, I still see amazing motion work that's out of my reach. And I'm like, ah, oh, I guess I'm... It's like the the myth of I'm not one of those people just moves like a few yards forward. Like, oh, I'm not one of those motion people. I'm like this basic <laughs> kind. <laughs> I agree. I'm the same way. Um, I'm I'm literally that though. I feel like you're the guy who's moving far ahead at the time. And because um, even just to like ride your coattails a little, you you made that decision, and I I've always wanted to kind of jump into it as well. Um, so last year I did get the iPad Pro. I did get the pencil and like start drawing a lot more and um, just to have it as an option. Like for me, I view that as just another place to tell stories, you know, because um, I think that as far as I'm concerned, that's that's what I'm always concerned about in, in my creativity is I like getting the opportunity to share my unique points of view and sense of humor and things um, regardless of the outlet. Um, 
So I did that crash course too in um, After Effects and uh, did really well. It was really great for like, it was all last summer for me. And um, I felt like I went up a bunch of levels and then <laughs> I haven't done anything. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, I, I could go back to it and keep developing it if I wanted, but you know, uh, I just need to get through this semester because I'm busy and like, you mm-hmm. know. And John Cleese talks about that as like you set aside time in your morning, but if you don't protect it to be creative, you're going to rearrange, you know, paper clips. <laughs> like your brain will decide that that needs to happen. And it's like, this is practical. This needs to be organized. And I'm going to sit here and organize my paper clips. And like, <laughs> need to do this. like that's how much, like, I, I think of it as like your brain, like, views the new way, you, the way you want to live. It's like an intruder. It's like a, this imposter, this this secret agent here. Yeah, that, who who's come in to invade my space? Like it's me, but uh, you know, it's it's almost like uh, just had an image in my head of kind of like you know the idea like where you make so much money, so you live according to those means, and then maybe you have a good couple of years and you make more money, but you're actually still in the same place because you just kind of blew out like your yeah. balloon filled up more I'm like well i'm just using more money so i'm not really making more money i'm just using more <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it just happens to pass through my bank account <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's the same thing you can do with your time in your day is like i have these 24 hours and they're going to be used no matter what and it's just kind of like yeah forcing that you know protection and say like no i need an hour a day to just go play <laughs> and, and be creative or else it's just gonna go by the wayside and that's literally where I am now. Like I had a great summer with that course, and then the semester started, um, and I I teach over at a, a school and kind of do creative software teaching. And so in my brain, I, I let that count. I'm like, yeah, but I'm helping students learn and be creative, <laughs> and I do some too in class. I'm always creating stuff in class, so that counts, doesn't it? And it doesn't. Like I, I don't know. It's I think yeah, discipline is such a huge, huge part of it that. Um, it's yeah, like the muscle say. strength that enables, like it's just having discipline doesn't make you creative. Um, there's a trains running on time fascism joke in there somewhere about <laughs> like, very disciplined but not very healthy humanity. Um, yeah. um, so some of the other demons, I, I think the other one that hits me all the time is related is the, what's uh, the class we took called the dip, which is. You start a project, anything, podcasting, whatever, um, and early on, you just want to quit. You're just like, this thing sucks. I'm going to delete the file. I'm going to, you know, whatever sketch paper is going in the trash and just burn it all down. And um, I think sort of like starting new habits, it's a lot of creativity is tricking yourself to overcoming the the psychological barrier that just says, nah, this sucks, man. Just... Go play PS4. I'm good. Yeah, I can I can go up some more levels in a pretend game rather than real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and how do you overcome that when you're just like, like I I've like I look back objectively and I see that I've done so much stuff in the past year. I released like a hundred episodes of podcasts. I've made all kinds of videos and different things. But at any given moment, I feel like. Yeah, I'm kind of suck. <laughs> Maybe I just yeah. won't do anything today. And it's like, how did I get stuff done? <laughs> and and how do I overcome the hurdle today? That's that just wants to quit. Yep, day in day out. I think it's 
it's a big practical thing too. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I I just feel like I'm in the middle of it now, and I'm wanting to know what. Other than you know, there's something else that goes along with creativity in my mind is just kind of healthy decisions for your life. You know, I think it could go hand in hand with eating right and exercising. You know, it's part of that realm of of taking care of yourself, allowing yourself a place to be creative as well. Um, in in one of my own challenges, and I've been doing. I think more or less better than the last few months is, you know, each day I want to wake up and say, Justin, make as many positive, great choices you can for your health as you can today. Like just pile them up. Like just, Hey, I took 10 minutes and I exercised even just a little bit. Like, okay, that's one healthy choice that helped you. And then, Oh, I took some time out and I did draw a little sketch. Like, Hey, that's a healthy choice. And, you know, I try to have more, the most healthy choices possible in a day, (laughs) you know, whatever that can be. And, you know, even if it's just once a day, you need to say no to something full of sugar. Like, well, that's one less sugar-filled thing in your life. <laughs> like, yeah. trying to break it down in that, and this <laughs> still, so we'll put a link to the picture in the show notes. Um, I don't know if you remember this shot in The Great Gatsby with Leo DiCaprio. It's like in all the trailers and stuff, but like the camera zooms in and Leo DiCaprio's got this champagne glass and he kind of yeah. tips it. <laughs> he tips his head. He's like, oh, okay, welcome to my party. Um, we have um, Juliet, you know, and I love this um, moment. It's an it's a animated GIF out there and everything. Um, but we had seen an artist had created that sh- scene and put it on this like really cool kind of like artboard um, canvas thing, and it's just kind of like her rendition of kind of graphic art of Leo DiCaprio as Great Gatsby, tipping to you like, "Hey, here's to <laughs> here's to the party and you being here." Um, <laughs> this is really bad, but we found her website and we found the image, and I traced it in Illustrator and went and printed off our own copy. <laughs> oh. Um, and uh, it's for private uh, use, and in in we printed off a canvas of that Leo, and he's um, every morning he's at the foot of our bed, and we wake up and we see Leo kind of tipping to us <laughs> for like, come join the party, guys, get up, let's do this. Yeah, um, it's it's just a fun image to wake up to, and I'll, we'll show you the picture of it. But um, I don't know there's just something about that, like wanting to be each day. I want to wake up and like I want to join the party of goodness and healthiness and positivity because I think I've just needed it. I think, you know, to go mm-hmm. back to how, how the year has been, you know, as an American citizen, let alone um, just personally in our family and kind of working through life yeah. without our dad. Um, I need more positive times in my life. Like I don't want to sit around and wallow. I'm yeah. trying to pull those back as much as possible. When I, I've, been journaling through the whole year off and on just as things occur to me some of them are like long form thoughts but some of them are just like little one-off reflections but um i feel like pretty much every day i've described as like a rolled up sack of quarters kind of just like hits me in the head (laughs) at some Mm -hmm. point during the day Mm -hmm. and that's like that's what it feels like to lose your dad um it feels like being homeless it feels like uh i think the line that really hits me hard a lot about this is like maybe the person that knew me most or at least is in competition for knowing me most and loving me uh is gone 
And so the conclusion is I am less known. And I think, I think of creativity as it's a process of expression and revealing yourself so that you have the opportunity to be known. And maybe if you're really good at it, helping other people be known. And, um, so that's why like that kind of loss feels like such a direct blow to, you know, not just like how happy I am, but even my creativity, um, maybe it'll, it'll rebound, it'll be enhanced, it'll be changed, it'll be some um, uh, inside-out style uh, yeah. <laughs> multicolor orbs resulting from it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like the, the being known kind of thing, like that's such a huge part of what dad was to me and I think to you too. Um, but he's a, a witness, you yeah. know, it's somebody saw what I did and loved it and was like awesome and shared it. And like, you know, there's not that many people in your corner who are doing that for you, you know? Yeah. Just so. one of the biggest lamps got turned off. So it's just it's yeah. a little darker. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, also to speak to like your your great piece on like making healthy choices, do be healthy, eat healthy, um, and even the the mental health kind of um, positivity stuff is it's so easy to get bogged down in. I, there's something about being human where it's like I I can't live my life and be like, yay, my cholesterol level wins. I got to the end <laughs> of my life and my cholesterol was this number. Um, <laughs> Even though that's really important that I don't die of a heart attack in my 40s or something, um, it, it's just like, I want to go kill a dragon. Of course, when you start talking about what it takes to go do that, I'm going to wimp out and be like, ah, that sounds really hard. Uh. <laughs> but like, that's the seed in you is not, let's go have the best cholesterol of any human that's ever lived. <laughs> my blood pressure so great, guys. And yeah. so there's that existential gap of you wake up and you're like, huh, there's taxes and bills <laughs> yeah and your soul wants to do something much more meaningful um and that's a good thing that you feel called to something bigger but it, that's also part of the depression in the mix is that gap and that discrepancy of mundanity You said it. <laughs> that's, that's dealing with it, you know, day to day and learning, I guess. And that's part of growing up too. And not being, I don't know, something you have here too. It's just kind of this idea of not being content either, you know, like there's a healthy like fight that needs to happen in yeah. order, you know, to not just be happy with where we've gotten, you know, there's, you have to like every day create a, a dragon to fight, you know, like, Hey, I do need to go do even this little struggle hard thing um and i'm i haven't made the perfect piece of art to share with the world yet mm -hmm. you know and I, I never will that's the idea is that like you know it's 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 always going to be like i wish it were better i i wish i could have more time to to do this right and you know keep keep on developing so um, mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's, it's that balance between not letting that debilitate you and say like nah done but no it's not good enough and therefore i'm going to work harder yeah um one of the things to go back to john cleese for a second about creativity is um he was citing studies but he was kind of explaining in his own way um creativity as being a kind of openness 
and connected to play. But he, he talks about like open mode versus closed mode. And open mode is we're not making decisions yet. We're seeing what's possible. It's very playful. It's very, um, you really need a protected space to do this. Um, and then once you make decisions, you know, and he, t- he goes to very great lengths to say, like, I don't make a decision until I have to. So if that doesn't <laughs> need to be decided until Tuesday, you can screw off because I'm not going to choose until Tuesday. I'm going to sit <laughs> and wonder about it in all the ways I can because the first option that comes to my mind might work, but it's the first option and I want time <laughs> to see all the other ones. Um, but, uh, he talks about how humor is one of the fastest ways to get to open mode and mm. uh, jokes and just the, the, the effects they have on the human mind um, just kind of conditions you and brings you out of yourself. It lowers your guard. Um, it it kind of gets you to a place um, maybe faster than almost any other approach. And, you know, he littered jokes throughout this whole thing. And I think it makes his, his message easier to be open to because you're laughing at he he, he keeps playing with the, the horrible like how many blah blah blahs it take to screw in a light bulb jokes <laughs> yeah <laughs> he keeps going to new and new weird territory with it it's <laughs> so good um and closed mode is not it's not bad it's just not good for creativity so once you mm. reach the deadline or you reach the decision point and it's like all right we're doing this um, you need closed mode because you need to get it done. You don't need infinite questions and everyone like f- completely changing the rules every other second. Like you get to that point and it's all right. Everyone, shut up. I'm going to work now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we could see this sometimes. You know, I, I feel like I'm getting better at recognizing it, and not that I know really what goes on behind the scenes, but um, in, in kind of you watch a film that's made by a studio. And you just kind of feel like a lot of people's hands in the pie versus, you know, some films you watch and you're like, I could tell this is more of a singular voice and I feel a, an artist's, you know, perspective and more singular in that sense. And you just kind of, you could tell like when things are bogged down by committee, you know, just yeah. like how many people rewrote this script and how many studio heads and executives had to have their say and this, 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 and this. And it just kind of feels like this blob mess <laughs> and you lose this kind of cohesiveness to it um but yeah i think that's another open close kind of discussion too and and that's kind of the ongoing hollywood you know issue is is they want to make money but i want to be an artist yeah. and tell my story my way and it's just kind of like it's going to go back and forth and i would love that luxury to have that fight every day at work <laughs> yeah like, oh i'm fighting with the studio heads <laughs> well i think that's the thing is it's not a 50 50 out in the world it's like 99 percent closed <clears throat> mode asking you yeah. to justify yourself for having any open mode and mm-hmm. I, I, the hard part about the rational argument side is well i'm we're going to explore and we can't predict how much, how many dollars per minute you're going to get from this exploration because even though this is, (laughs) this is completely vital to making anything good. Uh, I don't know. Like, um, there was someone who was, I'll try to pull out the example. It was like, this was an education, but they were talking about how, some company opened up their data, all these photos and graphics, and like the internet just being a weird place, like categorized every kind of mustache in all the photos. 
<laughs> and he was like, try to imagine like you're at the meeting where you're deciding to open up your data, you know, to see what happens with the internet. And someone's like, well, what's the value going to be? Like, you don't know that, well, we're going to have a categorized mustache, like amazing taxonomy of every kind of beard and everything across. Who would have thought? Yeah. Like, and also no company would launch that as a project. Like, all right, we're going to get some interns and we're going to categorize these mustaches. And, <laughs> but like even the Wikipedia itself feels like one of those products of like, oh, we used to have to pay people to make this and now we just yeah. have it yeah and i think that comes from open mode and yeah you need closed mode people to build servers that run 24 7 and everything but i i think that's the hard thing is the whole world wants you to be closed mode and so you you never have to try to be closed you have to try to be open yeah and then know when it's time to be closed i think it's like the door is closed on this now. We're not going to endlessly talk about what we might do. Yeah. Um and and I've been in in meetings where that's going on is, you know, we have our monthly whatever team meeting for this thing and like nothing's decided or changed since last month. Like we just need to say something's what it is and close it. Um rather than just like always leaving it open to like but maybe, but maybe. Um, yeah. Oh, and I yeah, think it goes both ways. Like open mode doesn't mean this. Like it's easy to be like, well, we're still thinking about it, but really, we're not. We're <laughs> yeah, it's an excuse um, to not make a decision. Um, uh, com- commit. I mean, cl- not to do too much, John Cleese, but it was such a great half hour, and it's fresh on my mind. But you know, he talks a lot about like keeping your mind near the thing you're working on. So, um. You're, you'll be rewarded, you know, maybe in the shower the next day, but like you, you actually do have to actively spend your time playing with and thinking about the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Just saying I'm a motion designer to everyone I meet, but not doing anything in my spare time, that's not as an account as like, well, I'm playing with it. <laughs> no, I think there's, uh, I hear it so many times on the Pete Holmes podcast because he always references it, um, but it's a line from Mad Men where Don Draper says, Think about it really hard for a day and then forget about it and then it'll come back to you. And it's just a certain, yeah. like that that first intense mind, keeping it in your mind, going, going, thinking, thinking, thinking. That's kind of like starting engines in whatever like subconscious is going on yeah. on it too. Like you don't realize like you're still working on it, even though you might not be actively thinking on it when you stop and take a break. And then it'll, yeah, it comes to you in the shower. It comes to you just like later, like, oh, duh, or something inspires it. And it's like, well, your brain was still working on it. You know, it was just that you needed to get that engine going. Um, <coughs> and I feel the same way. I think we've, this year, we've been developing a screenplay together. And it's been a lot of that. I think just like, you know, wrestling with the story and fighting, 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 and then kind of like stepping away and kind of letting it come back to us as it is and like have thoughts like oh wait this and i just had one kind of another idea that came through to me just this week and we'll talk about it later but um and i think that's part of it is that i i've been wrestling and fighting with how to get through kind of the first you know part of the screenplay and i've got a version of it and i'm like wait this version makes more sense this way now that i've had some time off Mm -hmm. Um, even though I know that I'm still constantly always thinking about it, it's always there. I'm dreaming about it. Like just, yeah, there's some certain subconscious thing going on (laughs) in creativity too that, you know, we haven't even gotten into, but 
you know, what is the shared subconscious that we all take inspiration from? Yeah. Um, I, I think at any time just being a human, this is true for me, but especially in the past year, um, I've, I've come to see creativity is almost a, like a sacred thing. I mean, you kind of put that into the detective script of play being a very sacred chance for brothers to redefine how they relate to each other and uh, reset things. And I, I do think that's an active, you know, in a small way, a daily thing that being living a creative life promise, like holds a promise of for me is like, whatever your life has been, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, there, there's so many things my life can be. And when I wake up, I get to take part in creating that. And that's a, when I'm not depressed, that's a great honor and privilege. And it's a really <laughs> inspiring thing. Um, I think the depression hits when it's like, um, you know, however selfish or entitled I might feel as a human, which I realize is a risk of being like, I deserved an amazing life. <laughs> um, is one of the things I can no longer be is a boy in my dad's house. And that's sort of one of the things that's been put to death. And um, I don't know how things get resurrected or reborn after that, but that's something that is dead is that, that feeling of, um, I mean, we still have a mom. We can be a boy in our mom's house. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's a, a huge strike at sort of a, a big part of identity, and so I think creativity will be crucial to absorbing that and reconfiguring that into some new way of living. But that's sort of like that's why it's not just like a one week morning thing. It's like, Oh, the whole rest of my life is a, a new life. Yeah. Reposition the furniture because it's not what it was ever before. And yeah, like you say, we can't, we could go play with his things that he left behind, you know, his toys and his records and everything, but they're not really his anymore either. It's, it's just a certain level of, Oh Yeah. So, <laughs> miss you, miss you, Dad. <laughs> and yeah, to go with that, you know, just uh, even the podcasting, you know. Yeah. Some um, pulp. Some pulp. Listeners, go listen to our dad's podcast. Some pulp. <laughs> Any other angles on creativity that we've missed? Besides all of them. No, I'm I'm curious to see if there's any discussion that would come from this from anybody who listens and wants to put put us right or put me right at least and say like, duh, you should just do this. But that's not gonna happen because there's no <laughs> there's no answer for some cure for, you know, that's all it takes to, to do stuff and be creative. Like, no, it's it's wrestling constantly and, and wanting to go and wake up each day and mm-hmm. nod back to Leo and say, Yep, I'm gonna join your party, let's do this. Movies, games, and TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, not creators. Now we're going to be consumers for a bit. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some of our favorite. So, this is the end of the year. Um, and 
I, we used to maintain blogs a lot better where we do this sort of thing. Are you, are you still <laughs> blogging? Um, um, I'll post my yearly uh, list of movies. Yeah, so let's, that's about let, it, though. Let's start with movies and TV. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff came out, and I'm sure our list is missing like 80% of it. But um, <laughs> one of the standout bits of TV this year has to be Westworld. And yes, it, it kind of shook everything up and, you know, was setting itself up to be, you know, with Game of Thrones coming to an end next year. It's like, who's going to take over as the next obsessive kind of yeah show? And they did their valiant best to, to create a world that we're <laughs> concerned with. Well, I, I think it has the um, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, collaborating with some others, um, did this and... Um, I, I think it has that quality of the Nolan stuff of um, something about the, the craftsmanship and the structure is strong. It's not like it's not like you're necessarily going to see it and go, this is the my favorite thing of all time and I will return to it the rest of my life. But there's like a, a satisfying, like well-made candy bar aspect to as entertainment. Yeah. Like they, they respect viewers. Um, mm-hmm. They, they don't tend to do these these crazy leaps or twists for twists sake kind of stuff. Um, they they really try to do their due diligence to leave breadcrumbs to everything they want to reveal. And almost to the point where it's so well knit put together that the internet figured it all out in advance. Cause, yeah, <laughs> um, that's the one thing. I think next season I'll definitely lay off the internet theorizing just for the enjoyment of it rather than the... Yeah. Which I, I want to open up and say spoiler alert to every single show we're going to talk about because let's just not have to not, let's not dance around things if, if we want to talk about plot or, or aspects of it. But West, yeah. Westworld was, um, it was just satisfying to watch all the dominoes that were set up fall down and you to realize where the i don't know where this analogy is going the path of dominoes went to places you didn't expect (laughs) retroactively um you saw them set up a certain way but really they were going to fall this other way and it was just fun um you know who 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 is arnold who who's um who who uh, what do they call them the host the host yeah who's secretly a host and i think especially Anthony Hopkins, just watching him, you're wondering which side is he on? Is he this tyrant that's trying to hold down consciousness in these robots? Uh, I think the most satisfying reveal to me was no, he actually sees that pain and suffering is the only way consciousness will rise. And Mm. that's made me think really hard about human consciousness. (laughs) It's like how much of it is a reaction to this really like not evil this really mean universe (laughs) that our species grew up in (laughs) yeah i and and um even in light of kind of how the election went that's come up with the idea of you know since donald trump won there's going to be a lot more fighting and activism and it's brought up the consciousness of america because you know it's like i have something that i need to fight for now yeah Um, and I think it's, it's, yeah, it does pain and suffering are what makes us more alive and more human. And, and that's the same goes for the hosts. Um, yeah, there, there's something about how Westworld handles 
I think something along the lines of inevitability that's surprising and not like predictable, I guess, in a way. I mean, unless you read it, you know, a a great story should always feel surprising and inevitable in in this kind of like beautiful marriage of like, of course, and like, oh, okay, and and not like, oh, duh, the script just said that happened and now that's how how it is now. Or the side Uh, character pops in with some exposition of a secret weapon that magically fixes everything. (laughs) Yeah, suddenly things are figured out. It's like, no, it's really well constructed and it's a puzzle it really is and and kind of masterfully put together i think um and and i think the other favorite part aspect of the show is that this season was all just set up for the completely new kind of thing it's going to be going forward now that these things are settled yeah um and, and we've learned about all uh, the nature of the park and everything is now next season lets us go completely in a different direction i think and that we'll be wrestling with different mysteries, but I'm, I think it's it's just great to have that wrapped up and set us up for the future. When I, I just I can see the the like the studio meddled version, which when you were describing like too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing, too many cooks. Um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking of since I've been an illustrator like all weekend, just Bezier curves every single second. Um, <laughs> I, I thought of like trying to draw a circle with like 500 points instead of like the four that you get when you use the circle tool. And like, yeah. it's not going to be a good circle when you use that many points. <laughs> <laughs> Each quarter's like, I got to go that way now. And you're okay. like, oh, we got to no. fix this way. So we got a little blobby over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I pull that blob, it pulls this blob. <laughs> ah. um, it's a little like that. No, I, I think, you know, the, the studio messed up version of Westworld would have summed up the consciousness stuff in like two episodes and gotten to like, and now they're attacking the white house or something. And, <laughs> yeah. And like the, the show almost painfully decided to sketch 10 hours of consciousness study and to make us understand how it was depicting consciousness in like in a way that has like enough little fake science that like it feels plausible you're like oh yeah they kind of bootstrap consciousness it it, it emerges (laughs) in these different ways like it's it's plausible ish enough for suspension of disbelief which is all it has to do yeah verisimilitude yeah you you go along with it and yeah i think it was just you know and there's something about i've heard this kind of talk about too is you know, Westworld is an example of why we shouldn't have Netflix-style binge all episodes at once, where that week off between each episode gives you time to digest. Yeah. And I agree with that, too. Like, I, I don't mind the week off in between either. It really makes leading up to the, you know, it was on Sundays, so it was like every Sunday is like, oh, yeah, there's a one. Like, I'd always forget. <laughs> and then the community For- that b- builds up around the event. Yeah. Uh, it's like a secondary enjoyment of the show. It's like, oh, I got to go to Reddit and see the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I think it's it's very promising and, you know, still gives me hope that TV is better than movies still. It, we're, um, we're still in a golden age. I think we're going to see some cracks form where the, the format will be exploited in some dumb ways. But um, I'm, I'm enjoying that 10 hours with pre- with premium channels means deeper characters deep uh more careful plot figured out and not just network tv which is you know murder of the week kind of dreck 
Yeah, 22 episodes, I think. Yeah. It's a big difference. Um, something about that, like, longer than a movie, but shorter than a TV season lets you tell a compact story and kind yeah. of forces you into firing on all cylinders just for the right amount of time. So one little spoiler note of a, a moment in Westworld that was like a full, like, holy shit, that was awesome kind of thing. Um, and was done so tastefully with like, without like big banner. I mean, I guess it's spoken out loud by character. So they are drawing attention to it, but it wasn't like, you won't believe what we did in this scene. Uh, was <laughs> the, when Bernard takes, uh, what's her face to the little secret family cabin. And again, I said spoiler alert. Um, and, <laughs> It was more like the way it was followed through with the production and not just the idea and the plot, but the actual production showed this off is, you know, you, you the camera pans over and there's just a wall. And then she, she says something about what's through that door. And Bernard goes, what door? But the camera has moved back to the characters. And then when it comes back, there's a door there now. And it, <laughs> it was subtle enough that, you know, once you know about it, it's not subtle at all. But... um in the first viewing, I didn't really, I noticed that he didn't see the door, but I didn't notice that we didn't see the door (laughs) at first. And that was just one of those, like, I I attribute that also to a lot of Nolan, Christopher and Jonathan productions. They have really clever follow throughs on some of their ideas where you're just like, that's such a cool way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the idea of putting, the viewer in literally the the headspace of that character for that scene is like Bernard wouldn't have seen it and then he would have and that's what we need to experience too, uh, and and to let us do that with a, few, a number of characters throughout. I think they just you know point of view is a big important part of this show and well and it's one of those around. it's not just a gimmick for a, a nice trailer moment or something. It's like it makes you go what else was Bernard not seeing? And, to, yeah. and because they're good story makers, they built other things into reinforce of uh, things about his identity that he wasn't aware of. So anyway, that's enough gushing. I think Westworld was definitely an A level first season and I'm excited to see where they take it. Yeah, definitely show of the year for me. Um, you know, there there was another Game of Thrones season this year. There was Stranger Things. <laughs> I can Things barely came remember. <laughs> I can't. Of Thrones. I just I just know the Battle of the Bastards was talked about. A lot. Um, Stranger you know, Stranger Things. Things came out. I I I watched it and I enjoyed. I didn't it for even what think to put it on the list, even though I enjoyed uh, it a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, for me, Stranger Things was a great new experience in a nostalgic way um, that maybe could have gone with two or three less episodes because there was yeah. a lot of treading water in the middle. Um, but otherwise, I still think... I mean, I'm interested to see what they do with a season two because they kind of wrapped up a lot of... Uh, yeah, I there. hope they don't over-explain season one and that they do something new. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's TV. That's I mean, in general, that's that's all I watched. I'm not a big TV watcher beyond the cable and the netflix so <coughs> what about some movies you pick one i pick one um you know we have i don't know like i i feel like every year it's harder and harder to make my top 10 list um which just means i have to pick 10 movies i liked and then it's like i end up picking things and i'm like i guess that's gonna go in my top 10 because <laughs> i didn't enjoy anything else as much um so it's just i don't know it, 
just I'm I can still always every time I go to the movies I'm always wanting to be amazed and and I think that's the youthful kind of hopes I'm still hanging on to 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 go to the movies. Um this year I I don't know how much fun I've had at the theaters and how much I've been amazed and said yes, finally that's another great movie that I'm going to remember years from now and be like, yeah. Um but I don't know. I mean, just to, for starters, I mean, what just came out was the new Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah. And it was a Star Wars plot of a movie and, and yeah. it happened and it it entertains and it's, you know, it's a Star Wars movie. And, you know, I I enjoyed it and in, in, in basically because I'm supposed to and, <laughs> and I know that, you know, there's some fun things going on there. Um but it's not going to be the best movie of the year, and it's not no. going to change anything for me. Um, but I just had a good time at it, so I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Rogue One. Um, I think similarly, like I just like Star Wars, and so by association, it gets to start a head start. But you know, I'm I, long term. I'm a little worried that Star Wars is going to become unspecial because there's going to be so much of it, and it's just hard to avoid. And I know Disney, like they've they've gotten lots of credit for being pretty good with Marvel. And I know I'm pretty tired of half the superhero movies now, but the modern era of superhero movies has been better than any other era of superhero movies on the right. whole. Like the, the, the average has come up to like C level at worst for, you know, other than the occasional. I mean, we used to have like Ben Affleck, uh, Daredevil or, <laughs> Halle Berry, Catwoman, like, yeah, or even uh, Alec Baldwin, The Shadow, like, and Billy Zane, The Phantom, like, they were just <laughs> not good. And now they're like mostly George Clooney is Batman, mostly kind of good. And I think Rogue One is among the better of you know if you think of it as like comic book style, um, almost as anthology, yeah, yeah. But it's sort of like I think it's going to be. Uh, calibrated to live in this b minus b plus space um i don't know if we're gonna see you know it's not gonna be 1977 star wars for one of these movies it's not gonna come out and change redefine the entire like landscape i don't know where that comes from and not that yeah, every film think, has to do that but <laughs> yeah there's a certain level of at least with the this one and the han solo one is the next spin-off where I'm not, I mean, technically, I'm not interested in hearing those stories. Like, I don't need to go back and hear how's how did he get the Millennium Falcon. Like, I don't actually care. I heard that is he won the, it in a bet, and I'm good with that. Is the Kessel Run going to be better on screen than in your 10-year-old imagination of whatever that is? Yeah, and, like, just it's, it's just funny to think about, like, if you go back to 1977 and all these one-off lines, like, that kind of covered exposition are becoming entire movie franchises <laughs> and like what did george lucas realize like oh boy uh, that was just to say you know how we got the plans for the death star and now yeah. suddenly it's become a thing no i like, saw I didn't... an article about like lando and return of the jedi says something about his the maneuver i pulled at the battle of blah 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 and it's like great they're gonna make <laughs> a battle of blah 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 movie <laughs> um yeah i guess it's yeah, I don't need any of these things, and you know, I'll go see them just because I'm a fan. But I don't know. There's a certain level of um, wanting, and in, in you know, to be delighted by a new thing rather than 
Yeah. Like going back and cashing in on nostalgia and, you know, yeah, don't you want to know how? Like, not really. I mean, also, I'm so tired of Death Star movies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's four the, of the, <laughs> the four movies so far are about the Death Star. Yeah, at least this one gets away with it because it's the same one that was used in a new hope. But (laughs) I think that's the retroactively, the biggest disappointment with force awakens is you just made enough death star. I don't (laughs) care that it rips sun heat to do it or whatever. Like (laughs) it just like you see it and you're like, come on. And there's even a trench they fly through. They go to it and, yeah, the same, what did Mads Mikkelsen also design the flaw in this one too? Like, <laughs> spoiler for Rogue One, but um, not really. I don't think people know who Mads Mikkelsen yeah. is for the most part. So uh, I, I like the movie a lot. It is in context. It's going to be joining, oh, another Star Wars movie. And that's the big danger too. Disney will do, if their track record holds it, they'll do an okay job with it all, but... It's just kind of becoming less special. But maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. the prequels already right. did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wash your mouth out with soap. Um, uh, yeah, I had some... Uh, no, I th- I, my favorite part of this one, I think it's kind of... It's, it's unfortunate that the voice acting of the robots are always the best parts of these movies. You know, they, yeah. they, they're the comic relief and then also the tragic... Um, heroes in all of this and alan tudyk was really great he was my favorite part of the movie is i just wanted more of the robot yeah. k-s whatever his name is yeah i just like okay he's he's actually interesting to me and like there's a certain i don't know leftover curiosity with him whereas i don't know the rest of the characters were just kind of stock to me like oh yeah. that's like the the aged uh, veteran fighter the blind guy the girl that like to me like that's my one complaint about the movie was just it was all plot and very, very little. Like, actually, I care about any of these people. Well, and I think the, the first 10 minutes, it was just planet hopping like crazy. And I think some of the planet hopping was unnecessary. Like, you could have set that on the same planet and I wouldn't have cared. Like, <laughs> I, I don't need another space establishing shot with a, a label, which that's new yeah. for Star Wars, actually labeling locations. But yeah, yeah, which is different. more normal sci fi. But, um, and so that was sort of on the, like, I was a little worried at first. I was like, oh boy, like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but then it settled in and it kind of just had its, its little heist plot and it worked out. Um, and I think, you know, highlights were for me were Donnie Yen and, uh, the Japanese actor that was his sidekick. Um, yeah, but I am the force and the force is with me. Yeah. And then, uh, the, the, I'll just, again, spoiler alert, but, uh, the, the Vader death hallway at the end was effective for me. That was chill inducing, um yeah again relying on nostalgia we've been in this hallway at the beginning of a new hope we've seen i know it's crazy you're like oh they're leading up the last shot of this is going to be the first shot of that one like <laughs> yeah really great i really enjoyed that um and just the way they they did it was more horror film than action which i really appreciated when vader comes on the ship that's what yeah. it should be it should be the, the devil himself has shown up and that's what they did and I think yeah. that that was chill inducing and maybe the single best note in the whole film <laughs> relies on Vader, but it's a Vader. We, <laughs> we've never gotten to see him do that that way. Um, in the prequels, it's kind of off screen when he's becoming Vader and he murders a whole village or whatever. 
Um, and they, they've shied away from it. And um, in the new trilogy, he's pretty much stoically helping the Emperor, and he fights Luke sometimes, but he, he, you don't get... He's a pawn, yeah. I guess you get Cloud City. He's pretty creepy there when he's, like, stealing Han's gun, and he's just, like, clearly powerful. But this was, like, a fully unleashed and done so right. Like, he's a horror villain. Yeah. He's not... He's not like the prequels when Yoda's like bouncing around like Jello. Like I don't want to see. <laughs> I don't need that. I need the, like he he can move slowly because he knows he's going to kill all of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to let that happen, and to to, I always think it's so funny. Like how much of a popular toy he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just went to the Disney store yesterday, and I don't know the new obsession of what they call like Tsum Tsum pillows or whatever. Yeah. Like all those long sausage. They're so pillow. adorable. <laughs> they're so cute. But like, there's the Darth Vader one. I'm like, why do my children want this like genocidal maniac like, who who's destroyed galaxies? I'm like, ah, oh, it's a cute pillow though. Yeah. Um, oh. What did you think of uh, Tarkin and Leia being digital characters? Yeah, I was taken aback i was okay with leia because i was expecting it and then i was like oh okay they did a pretty good job you know (laughs) you know roughly and tarkin i i just felt it was just it was a weird experience because i was like is that just him but really old like (laughs) like i had to take a second to go like that's not possible that was 40 years ago (laughs) he was old 40 years ago (laughs) (laughs) I i was just like yeah it was a little i don't know off but i don't know i'd I went along with that. I didn't think of it after the initial shock. So, I mean, they definitely went confidence. Like they they showed him a lot. They showed him in light. They, they it wasn't just like shadowed yeah. figure on the side. But yeah, um, I think there's a lot to like. It it is nostalgia ridden, and that's something that works for Rogue One. But I don't think will be potent for long. Like if every single Star Wars movie is like, look at these references. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's just gonna. Well, that's the same guy Luke <laughs> runs into in the bar on a different planet. Yeah, like, oh come on. So the, the, there's we're gonna have a limited tolerance for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? Good well, luck we, to we're that. not gonna talk about all these movies. What jumps out at you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I just my favorites personally of the year. You know, uh, movies I just I actually go to the cinema and I had a lot of fun and I'm fine. You know, revisiting them. I've already watched Hail Caesar a second time and a half. Um, I really liked it. I love. You know, I'll always wait for the next Cohen thing. Very excitedly, and Hail Caesar was one that a lot of people didn't like, and then you know, the critics were into it. It you know it didn't strike people as like oh, but for me. I don't know. It just for me, it's saying on this great level of kind of this bridge between um, the this storytelling of you know once you realize it's not what the trailers says it say it is. It's not about George Clooney getting kidnapped. That's just one of the many things going on. Um, I got just got wrapped up in kind of the excitement of old Hollywood and kind of the Hudsucker proxy quirkiness and yeah. you know. The silliness of Channing Tatum's dancing and you know <laughs> jumping onto a submarine and like I don't know I just really the really editor almost that. dying <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't wear scarves you know uh, just thoroughly enjoyed you know top to bottom was laughing out loud I was one of the very few in the theater who was like really loud in the theater laughing um, just something about Coen Brothers movies and Wes Anderson movies that just like make me laugh 
acts out loud very loudly and like a ha ha like actual h-a-h-a um <laughs> and i had that with hail caesar and i i bought hail caesar since then and i watched it with mom and you know we've we've passed on you know even to tie back into star wars the guy who plays um Han Solo. Oh yeah, in Hail Caesar, one of the best scenes, <laughs> one of the best parts of Hail Caesar, and you know he turns into one of these little sidekick heroes who um, ends up rescuing George Clooney by the end because he's following the mystery. And like, there's just a lot of great little moments of like, hey, that's my belt. I'm going to go follow that package, you know. Um, but just uh, this cowboy guy. Um, I just had a lot of fun. I really liked Hail Caesar. Yeah, and I. I even that that famous wood that it tore so simple like <laughs> yeah. scene where I think it's like vintage perfect Cohen brothers where they they take the low and the high of culture and they force them to interact <laughs> <laughs> and yes. you know this goes back to like what raising Arizona is as an entire film but it's just like that's a through line in so much of their work is the collision of very scheming intense people and then like normal people and just hey okay <laughs> fargo it's a very simple cop and very very serious villains that have come to town and all that yeah so yeah that's definitely in my top running for best of the year um you want to grab one of these what what do you think of arrival I enjoyed Arrival a lot. It's one of those, I, I've got this sense that I'm not going to think about it in future years. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed the experience. I, I like sci-fi that doesn't third act, aliens attacked us and we fought them off. Like, it's yeah, very... CGI closing. <laughs> um, it's, it very much committed its plot structure to a payoff in the third act. And it's spoiler alerts, but um, the the way that... Um, you know, early in the movie, I'm like, oh, here's the flashbacks of her dead kid that motivates her. Yeah. <laughs> and me too. I was, it, like, it was effective because it was emo, beautiful photography and sad music. And so you, you feel, even though you're like, I'm being manipulated. Um, but I appreciated the movie because it used it as that, but also more. And it was a, a clever use of tying it to why the aliens were there and why this whole situation was happening. And so that felt like a satisfying payoff. And so I, I appreciated that as I got to the moving. Um, I actually was very late to guess what was going on with her visions. And um, yeah, it was like right before they tell you outright yeah, when they reveal that her husband is... Uh, jeremy renner um i was like the scene where they're like in bed together i was like oh he's her husband like right before i saw his face and i was like okay oh wait yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess the answer right as they told me anyway (laughs) yeah i i really liked the twist on that too because you know there's one thing i'm always obsessing over myself in in screenwriting and as i've taught screenwriting too is just like if you've seen something done a certain way in the movies and you feel like you have to do it yourself, at least do it in a new way. Like put some kind of personal new twist on it so that we can have a new experience with that trope. Yeah. Um, Sorry, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I mean, Arrival just, yeah, they're like, yeah, we're going to do the kind of like flashbacky dead kid thing, but our own way, and it's going to change things. Um, and that's, again, I rolled my eyes early on, and then by the end I was like, yes, they <laughs> did something new with it, you know? Yeah. So... And just weird to like 
I'm going to benefit from the classes I taught on this alien language in the future for now. (laughs) (laughs) I've already taught those classes in the future because I'm not in the future. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just present everywhere now. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that's up there. You know, the Passengers is the other sci-fi movie coming out for Christmas. I have a feeling it's going to be horrible. The more I see of it, the less I am curious about it. Um, I being in Hollywood and kind of paying attention to blacklist kind of stuff over the years. Like I know Passengers was a big hot script for a few years, and they finally got it made. And to find out, you know, I already know spoiler what it's about, and it's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's what they're gonna do with it. All right, um, you know, I'll see it because I just like sci-fi spaceship kind of movies, and I'm I'm wanting to see how effective they get away with it yeah. all. And, um, but yeah, it's just put two pretty people on a ship and <laughs> make them fall in love and probably lose at least one of them tragically. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, as far as sci-fi goes, I'll, I'll check it out. Not really much else came out this year. Um, my other top of the year was Hunt for Wilder People. Um, that is directed by Taika Waititi, the guy who last year did uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which was my favorite movie of last year. Um, so Hunt for Wilder People is my probably tops of the years as well, up in the running. Um, it's just a really great small story about, um, and I think I maybe, I don't know if we talked about it on this, but um, yeah, just worth checking out. It's out on the digital and everything now, so check out Hunt for Wilder People. It's a New Zealand film. It's got Sam Neill in it. It's a really great, gruff beard and they go camping and kind of uh, yeah. an orphan boy story and it's a comedy so it's really really funny too and quirky in its own new zealand way and it, it was a 99 cent rental recently on itunes yeah we rented it, it still haven't watched it but it's sitting yeah. waiting all right <laughs> get to it yeah um, i don't know what else i mean i almost always want to check out a tom hanks movie when it comes out but i didn't see solely did you see that I saw it. Absolutely worth seeing. Tom Hanks is so great. Aaron Eckhart's actually really great, too. Um, just it's very satisfying. A real, like, America movie, but not in the Clint Eastwood kind of way. I mean, it is a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. But, like, it's just kind of he avoids the, what's the American sniper kind of like. Uh, uh, I, kind of, I kind of feel gross rooting for, like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, I mean, Soli is a very wholesome and, and just a really great heroic movie and you know, it kind of comes on the heels of Captain Phillips. The joke now is like, I hope I never have to ride in any kind of mass transit that would later be adapted into a Tom Hanks movie. He's just going to find heroes of any (laughs) speed reboot or something. Exactly. But Tom Hanks is always worth checking out. So yeah, check track down Sully. Um, honorable mention for me was Allied. I did see the Brad Pitt spy thriller in the World War Zemeckis, II. Zemeckis, I'm France. He gets a other than his bad digital Polar Express stuff. He he gets a. <laughs> I want to see most of his movies when they come out. Yeah, I I I saw. Uh, I, we took mom to it too, and we all were kind of looked at each other afterwards, like, "Hey, that was pretty good. We like that. You know, very entertaining and nice." kind of twisting narrative and you know the spoilers in the trailer a little bit but you still get a great experience with it um as he's just trying to figure out who his wife is or isn't and um 
Yeah, I think Allied is definitely an honorable mention for the year. Otherwise, that's the list. I Again, yeah. I just feel like it's very, very short yeah. list this year. Fantastic Beasts came out. I liked it, but it, again, sort of like Rogue One, it's like, oh, yeah, thanks for expanding the universe I already love. <laughs> yeah, I'll go there no matter what. You know, I just, we'll see. Um, um, the one movie that I'm not, I don't think is going to come to me in its limited release, but Scorsese's Silence, I'm really... Oh, can't yeah, wait that'll to be see. here. Sorry. Yeah, I'll see it opening day here. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I'll see Scorsese Silence. It looks really intense. And I didn't read the book. I don't know if you did. I've read a lot of it. Um, it's a Japanese author um, talking about medieval Japan, which was insanely persecuting of Christians. Not like modern day where Christians think they're persecuted, but they're mostly fine, <laughs> <laughs> at least in America. Um <laughs> No, this was actually like Christians were crucified in Japan in various horrible ways. Um, and it's sort of a the clash of cultures kind of story. Um, looks intense. Um, yeah. Almost last yeah. temptation of Christ kind of stuff. And Yeah, it's not a happy Christmas morning. Let's go see <laughs> silence. <laughs> um, and I, I hope Scorsese pulled it off. I, I know this is one of those like things he's wanted to do for decades, like literally decades he's had the desire to make this movie yeah he's always said his book changed his life and as far as his own even experience with the catholic church and um yeah i'm really excited to see that i've I've watched trailers for um i don't know if you've seen one for gold matthew mcconaughey (laughs) no uh plays this crazy bald businessman (laughs) guy who goes and finds a gold mine and you know has to you know start to business it looks kind of like wolf of wall street mixed with you know, kind of some fun, I don't know, it just looks super silly and dumb, but Matthew McConaughey looks unbelievably insane. <laughs> I'll definitely go see it. Uh, but that's all I'm curious about over the holidays. <laughs> yeah. I saw La La Land, and I, we could save that for a whole other podcast on its own if we ever start one again. But Good or bad. <laughs> um, entertaining and charming, through, like through the teeth, and then I have my own problems with <laughs> <laughs> the story and the characters and the writing but it's a musical so you're kind of not supposed to care about that stuff so <laughs> that's where i always get off i'm like but if you did care about all those things it would be a completely thoroughly amazing movie i've heard Instead of that it's just joke about musical comedy where like the music isn't that great and the jokes aren't that great <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but then Somehow two mediocres don't make it amazing then fly of the concords worked um <laughs> Games, but, just the, yeah, the nice absolutely. whimpering end is uh, one of the things that happens when you have a year of depression is uh, it's easy to play, play a lot, a of, lot games. of video games. <laughs> I've played more games this year than on many, many years. Um, and our list is actually pretty short. And the, the main one I want to talk about is Final Fantasy 15. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Because, the oh, man, this, this game has been in development for about 10 years. It was originally going to be a 13 spinoff for PS3. Um, and then it just kind of was in development hell forever. And that <laughs> apparently hurts games as much as it does uh, uh. movies. And I don't know, you talk first. What did you, I talk first, you talk first. I'll talk first. Uh, Final Fantasy XV. I, uh, I got 40 hours logged, and I, you know, so I've done it all. I've done side questing, and I've really just kind of exhausted it, aside from going after level 99 hunts. So um, after being through it all, I would say the first, 
I want to say like 12 or so hours were really fun and, you know, kind of promising and exciting. And, you know, I was doing a mix of story quests and side quests and just kind of, you know, building out the guys. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I don't know, it just goes off the rails and completely never comes back. And just, it makes you feel like 10 years they spent developing the opening chapters of the game. And then there's just, we need to get it out. (laughs) Then not, yeah, it's just, Terrible. It's, it's baffling, and you know I don't <laughs> think the story is worth preserving, like spoiler wise. And we've been spoiling everything this podcast. Um, no. Shockingly lack, shocking lack of character development, like or backstories, or even just like bad exposition. Like there's just nothing there. Like oh, I'm you're betrothed to this lady from another nation. I don't know anything about her at all, except that she gave me a ring and that they kind of liked each other as kids. <laughs> and she has a dress. Um, <laughs> what are, are these two different kingdoms? Are they related to each other? Where did the empire come from? Why does it exist? Um, what is she? She's called the Oracle. I don't know what that means. Nobody even told me what she's up to, why she goes around talking to different cities and calling on the gods. Like, and what is this other city that like you, you have a big scene of like you need to behave like a king and you need to answer these questions right to show how kingly you are and then nothing comes of it it has no consequences on anything um and you don't see that lady ever again as far as i know unless she comes up in the last chapter <laughs> probably not the afterlife yeah uh, oh no her yeah no you don't know like lady. the warden um, of that little water yeah, city the vill- town <laughs> yeah it's just all over the place it's like it was not written by committee because I think a committee would have written this better. I think it was <laughs> it was just directed into oblivion. Like just none, nothing comes together. They just stopped. Off and yeah, there's just the development must have just quit. And they said we have a game that could be shipped. Let's send it without just saying like, wait, we really actually should figure the rest of this stuff out. Like so much of the story and supposedly shocking revelations are happening off screen. Like you hear about them or you, you hit a X on a newspaper and you read about it and like, Oh, that sounds pretty important about some other kingdom doing something. And I had to read it in a random gas station. And it's not like a, a good game like Deus Ex where all that stuff is icing where it's just colors in some of the background of the neighborhood you're in or like a character you already know a lot about is like, Oh, he also said this. Um, it's like primary story points that you completely miss. And even then, like it's not very fun to get like, well, then Kefka poisoned the water and you're just like, Oh, well I want to see him do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and like I just don't feel like I know anyone or have any context for anything that happens. And even Nothing. like weird little game mechanics, it's like, well, now anytime you go to sleep somewhere, you can actually just go back in time or go forward in time. And uh, not like to any time, but just like to hop between the the horrible world and the and the pre fall kind of thing. And it's just, I don't know, I it's. I think it's the worst told story in the entire history of Final Fantasy. <laughs> Absolutely. The worst villain who's like telegraphing it from like thousands of miles away. Like you meet him and you're like, I hope he's not the bad guy. 
Yeah, because he's really obviously the bad guy. And then he is, and you're just like, oh my god. But I have no idea why he's a bad guy. No, no. He was some, like, he was rejected as a king or something, or somehow he's immortal and he wants to destroy the world, and that's it. It's just like... (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, there's too many things to go off on. I just, it was very, you know, gameplay-wise, even, like, the... Kind of just hold down the circle the whole time, occasionally block. Otherwise, there's no strategy to it. It's just kind of Kingdom like, Hearts. I'll get through the battle. I have enough high potion. Like, I'll, I'm never in danger, really. You know, like, I yeah. died a few times just to see what it was like. <laughs> I'm like, what if I don't use the Phoenix down? All right, and then it's the game over. But, like, just, yeah, so, I don't know. Well, that all kind of crumbles because... If the game mechanics aren't satisfying in an action sense, and if the game's not hard enough that you feel the compelled to like build your skills up to like be stronger, then that kind of falls apart. You don't really care. Like, why would I do this quest to get experience to be stronger when I don't need to be stronger? Because the game's easy. Um, yeah, even like the level up ascension thing where you're supposed to like, oh, make your character more powerful in this way or that way. Like, it's useless. Like, any of the things you learn, like, don't actually matter. Like, oh, what if I could now have, like, you know, old games, it was always, like, building up so you could ha- use two swords. And, like, yeah. that, that was, like, a kind Cast of... Cast two like, spells, now, et cetera. Now I can... Do, yeah, there's just, like, practical, like, I see tangible differences with leveling this stuff up. This is just, like, ah, cool idea. I can use more, like, I don't know. If I sleep, I get more point. Like, there's just random, like... Why is that even an option? Yeah. Or even like the the weapons, like there, I maybe upgraded my swords and guns like two or three times in the game. Yeah, and it just like the there was like five hundred stats related to my characters that were impossible to navigate or understand. <laughs> and I mean, a lot of them are just traditional Final Fantasy stats. So if you know Final Fantasy, you'll figure it out. But it's just like. Uh, <laughs> it just never feels like anything matters. Um, and so I got into Final Fantasy 15 right on the heels of I just got Skyrim for PS4. And I, I mean, I can very clearly say now that I've had a lot more, lot more fun with Skyrim and I'm going to go back to it now that I'm done with Final Fantasy. Because um, there's a certain level of like real classic RPG-ness about Skyrim yeah. where it's like, these stats do make a difference. I am upgrading this tiny sword and like building up my character and like, you know, I'm able to follow the storyline and, and see why like, oh, I'm a dragonborn. I'm going to go and like be able to call on dragons, blah blah blah. You know, kind of very typical kind of a Final Fantasy kind of thing, except doing it better yeah. than this one. Um one thing I said about this one is that it feels like these game designers have never played the first 12 or so Final Fantasies. It's like they grew up developing 13 and then they were given this as a spinoff from 13. So that's all they know is that kind of a Final Fantasy. And I, I played maybe six hours of 13 and then I quit it too. <laughs> like that's bad when the last two major entries of your franchise are just abandoned and I don't care about them anymore. Like I'm really worried. Yeah. Um, we, we played Final Fantasy 14 just for fun because it was online and it was fun to go yeah, it was dungeon hunting standard together. MMO. But yeah, when the main franchise things can't do it anymore, it's like, wow, it's been... Like I really enjoyed Final Fantasy 12 and that was 10 years ago. That's the last time I had fun with the Final like Fantasy 15 game. years ago now, I think. 
Almost. Yeah. Well, that's coming out. They're remastering it next year. So at so. least we get a good Final Fantasy next year. <laughs> no. I mean, we were chatting, and you were saying even ten like looks like a masterpiece. It yeah, was in storytelling. I really didn't enjoy ten. <laughs> yeah, um, ten was one of my least favorites. Always. Um, it was the first voice acting one, and so there's just bad yeah, it's voice just acting. Weird. And the the bad guy as this big monster called Sin that keeps showing up and just so dumb. And now it looks great. <laughs> and it was all a dream, basically, is the story. Yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. Um, yeah, that was one of the most drama-filled game releases, which, I mean, I I felt the stink, and then I like got excited about it because I saw some good reviews. And then... I I was like enjoying the game and I even talked on flipping tables about it like oh yeah the game mechanics are kind of fun and it seems like this could be a satisfying journey of growth with these characters no it just it just completely That's abandoned what's so funny. Yeah, watching even all those positive reviews when it came out are by people who only played the first few hours. And then, like, there's so many follow-up reviews. Like, I'm sorry, I have to uh, add an addendum to my initial review because actually it's really bad. (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) Like, here's my follow-up. After chapter whatever, it's done, and I don't actually, it's a bad game. Like, I just have to say, listener, like, it's it's not like, oh, it's a JRPG and you're tired of them. It, it like, completely abandons its duties to be a storytelling format. Like, it just completely yeah, abdicates. no responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were good games this year. I like Deus Ex. Uh, right- I love Deus Ex. I played through it, like, four times already. Rise of the Tomb Raider was a good sequel, though I probably won't go back yep. to it. No, I burned through it and did a, some of the side questing, but then it gets really tedious. So, um, But really fun gameplay, and I got, understood that story and went along with it. So. <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing that just came out was Super Mario Run. Are you playing this? I am. I'm working through World 2 right now. Are you, are you doing all night, three so. of the coin challenges and all of them? Uh, not yet. I just want to beat it first. And then, okay. <laughs> It's really fun. I I really like it. I think it's an appropriate use of all the limitations of it. So, so you drop. It's, it's great to just to see how much they've integrated. You feel like you're actually just playing another Mario game. Yeah. Um, other than all I can do is jump, but it's still like there's still all the same strategies. It's just I'm I mean, in Mario, running. I'd always be running anyway. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm like, this is what I tried to do anyways. I like sprinting through levels. So, um, yeah, I really, I'm, I'm still getting the hang of kind of all the getting to the higher, you know, I feel like I jump as high as I can and it's still not high enough. So I'm, I don't know, still yeah. practicing. Well, I, the mechanic I'm thrown off by is him grabbing ledges that I'm not used to yet. Yeah, yeah. It's like Samus. And using... Yeah, you now then all those arrows start coming into play that kind of pause you or reverse you and like, yeah, I could see you guys going to get nuts. That's just and classic Nintendo fun. satisfying <laughs> complexity. <laughs> yeah, introduced so carefully. Like that's like, I know there's a, a good sequelitis video about how Mega Man X does this, but Nintendo games like famously designed. You run right, you have to jump. You inevitably accidentally hit a block. You realize you can hit those blocks. Like they teach you, mm-hmm. they lead you mm-hmm. and teach you. Um, this game's like that. Um, you can tell, like even the very first level, you can tell they thought really hard about like because there's things that are different than normal Mario, like automatically vaulting over characters. 
Um, yeah, you don't run into a guy and die. It's not about that. Yeah, and and then you, if you press jump right after you vault, really satisfying. You kill the guy and bounce off him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so there's just lots of those things that they. I think that they do the hand holding. Like it actually freezes the screen and tells you. But um, nonetheless, they they do a good job. Yeah. At first, I balked at the ten dollar price tag. And as I got further into it, I'm like, okay, no, I see. This is like a really, really, really well developed game that feels like it probably is worth ten bucks. So, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it now. Don't be afraid. Go spend the ten bucks. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's it's very nearly a full Mario game. Uh, I'm probably going to ignore all the social crap and the kingdom building <laughs> stuff, though. Yeah, yeah, I tried that for a second. I'm like, wait, what is this doing for me? Okay, <laughs> um, zero. So, anything okay. else? <laughs> Final no, pseudo I'm, show for the time being? Yeah, just wrapping it up. Um, I don't have any final words of wisdom other than, you know, it's been fun podcasting. And like you said, this is not goodbye forever. We'll see what kind of seasons our life leads us in. But uh, this is always great. I really enjoyed all of our interviews with everybody up to this time. And Yeah. Thanks for hanging in there with us. I know we put out one a year at the end here, but <laughs> <laughs> that's more like the first version of the pseudo show, pseudo book podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're just returning to our old ways. Um, well, and as always, you can follow us online. Uh, I'm at pseudo Michael, S U D O Michael on Twitter. And I, I hope to have lots of creative stuff coming out uh, in the next year. Um, as we we deal with our grief and deal with the natural challenges of being creative for even happy people, um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's a struggle that defines your life, and so it's something I you know I'm in it <laughs> because that's what living means to me, um, and so I, I think there's those times where you get to enjoy it and and reflect on it. I agree. I'm right there with you. Looking forward to turning the page on 2016. Uh, have, what book have, have we opened? Other, <laughs> that's exactly. We don't know what chapter's next. Um, but you know, I'm confident that you know, as far as America goes, we have passionate people who aren't going to stand by and let some stuff happen here. So, um, here's hoping. I guess that's all I could say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Signing off. Thanks for listening. All right. See you guys. Bye.